on for months and months and months just talking about the grace of God. Amen. We could go on for months and months and months and months and talk about the doctrine. And uh, we could never exhaust the things that God has, you know, the, the depth of what his word has. You know, the Bible says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You know, we think we we think we we just about got all we can and we canned all we got, but there's so much more for us than we even imagine. You know, they say that the human human beings only barely use maybe five percent of their brain capacity because we just don't. We don't think. We just kind of coast sometimes, and I don't know if that's true or not. But I think sometimes in a Spiritual way, I know I can say this for myself, I probably don't use the full capacity of what the power that God's given me. You know? Because he said, what did he say? Greater works than these shall ye do. So I look at myself sometimes in the mirror and I go, why aren't you doing some of that stuff? You know? These signs shall follow them, everybody say, that's me, that believe. Believers don't follow signs, do they? Signs follow believers. Amen? So you're, so what, I, what, what am I saying? God can use you to heal somebody. It's not, you're not healing them. You're just exercising your faith. And coupling it with their faith. Helping them to have faith. You know, they don't know if God's going to heal them or not, but you have enough faith to say, you know, I'll pray for you right now. That God will heal that disease or whatever it is, that headache you're having right now. You don't know if he's going to do it or not, but if you feel led to pray, just pray. You never know if God's going to do it. So, amen. We got, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me. I mean, we could just do a study on that power right there. What does that mean to me? Am I exercising the power that I have? And Am I driving a Corvette and only running it on one cylinder? Right? Where's the other seven cylinders? i got to get all the power out of that car I, that I can get, right? Right? Just do it legally. <laughs> Praise God. So we're going to talk about growing in apostolic doctrine this month. And so it's my pleasure and my uh, opportunity, I guess, to kick this off. And, and so here we go. So we're going to turn in our Bibles this evening to John chapter 7, verse 14 through 18. And I know it probably says John 7, 16 through 17, but I just felt like for a little bit more context that I wanted to read just a little bit before and one verse after the key scripture that is on the sheet there. So when you have that, say amen. Amen. So in verse 14, it says, Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters? How does he know how is it that he's able to teach as if he's been, well, let's just read it, having never learned? What do they mean by that? 
Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, the Father's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, whether it's from God or from my own mind, my own brain, of something I'm making up out of my own flesh, right? He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, or whoever's teaching his own doctrine is seeking his own glory. That's what he's saying, but he that seeketh his glory, the glory of God, that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And these Jews, they were kind of perplexed, you know, because you to know the stuff that Jesus was talking about and be able to authoritatively talk about it like Jesus was talking about it, the only people that could really do that in that day were people that came up in the synagogues and they were taught under people like Gamaliel and all these they, they were set, they would sit under a rabbi. They would follow that rabbi around and he, they would learn everything they could from that rabbi. And he had no, he had no formal teaching like that. And they're, they're just befuddled and bewildered and they're like, where is he getting all this? And we all know why, because he was God robed in flesh. He was the root of all doctrine that they believed, the Jews believed. They just didn't realize they, they weren't getting it. That this is this is God standing before you. He's speaking something that's already he he spoke it eons ago when he gave the law to Moses. And so this is why he can say this stuff. But they they're looking at it in the natural, going, "How is this young guy getting up here with authority and teaching this stuff?" So we're going to talk about the 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 apostolic doctrine. And so in the in the Weist expanded translation of the Bible in John 16 and 17, it says, Then Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine in origin, but belongs to the one who sent me. If anyone is desiring to be, to, desiring to be doing his will, he shall know experientially concerning the teaching, whether it is of God as a source or whether I am speaking from myself as the source. Right? So in the opening there it says doctrine is defined as belief, a belief or a set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party, or other group. Doctrine means teachings or instructions. When we speak of apostolic doctrine, we are referring to the teachings and instructions of Jesus Christ and his apostles or his disciples. Some of the areas that Jesus and his apostles taught were love, holiness, forgiveness, giving, unity of the body, separation from the world, repentance, baptism, second coming of Christ, eternity, and many others, I'm sure. Therefore, it is essential that we study the Bible to know what was taught by Jesus and his apostles. Amen? Or we could find ourselves teaching, saying, or doing things that may not be true. You know, the Bible talks about don't add to or take away from the words that are in this book. Don't don't create your own doctrine. Don't take a scripture from here and a scripture from over there and come up with some doctrine that's not in the book. Once we understand those teachings, oh, I skipped a sentence there, we may even struggle in our walk 
in relationships. Once we understand the teachings that of the of this book, well, then we must do them and teach them. During this lesson, we're going to look at some of the ways that we may grow in apostolic doctrine. Okay? And so, that first, number one there, it says speaking apostolic doctrine. Right? So, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, and I felt like the Lord kind of prompted me before we go into speaking apostolic doctrine we got to find out where we're getting it to to speak it you can follow what i'm saying so and this thought occurred to me that every single prophet in the old testament had to hear from god before he could ever speak a word of exhortation to the people of israel they didn't just start spouting off at the mouth those prophets waited to hear from God. In some cases, they were just sitting there minding their own business, and God just began to speak to them and said, "Thus saith the Lord." And this is what I'm going to. This is what I'm telling you to go tell the people. And I believe it was Ezekiel. He said, "Don't worry about their faces. Don't worry about what they look like when you're talking to them. You just say what I sent you to say, and let the chips fall where they may." Is what he was saying. Because they're going to look at you with stone face, and they're going to have hard hearts, and they're not going to receive what I'm saying. And I already know that, but I want you to say it to them anyway. Well, why would God make a prophet waste his time, seemingly, going and telling a bunch of hard-nosed, hard-hearted people something they're not going to listen to anyway? Why would he do that? That's right. They, thou art without excuse, O oh man. So if I told you, if you've been told, if you took the defensive, if you took the driver's class to get your driver's license, you have to learn some of the laws as part of your getting your driver's license, right? Laws like you got to stop when there's a stop sign. And there's a speed limit out there, and that's why they put those little white signs with numbers on them. And then that's why they park those guys in those little blue SUVs out there to help you maintain your speed and you tend to get you know outside the limits right so before any of us ever stepped into a baptismal tank to be baptized in Jesus name before any of us ever walked to an altar or wherever it was you received the Holy Ghost and I say that because I know people that received the Holy Ghost in their barracks room. I know people that received the Holy Ghost driving down the road and had to pull over before they wrecked. Because it just, God just came in their car and it happened. And so before any of us ever took that step, we had to hear first. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We had to hear first. Not only did we have to hear, but we had to receive what we heard. There's a lot of people that hear the Word of God every day. And they, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't phase them. They hear the doctrine. They hear doctrines. But they're just listening to listen. They're not interested in having an, it having an effect in their life. 
you say, how can that be? It just is. I don't know why that is. And so we had to hear it, and then we had to mingle what we heard with faith. If you can remember before you ever really made the decision that I'm going to do this, this is, I, I got to do this. This, this, I can't get away from this book that says I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I, I can't get away from this because there's too many references to people receiving the Holy Ghost in the first, in the beginning of the church, and I just can't shake it and get away from it. So I got to do it. And so what that person that's saying that in their mind, sitting in a church service or wherever it is they are, is they're mixing what they're hearing with faith. They're starting to exercise their faith a little bit, and they're starting to go, wait a minute, just like I did. Wait a minute. There's something to this. And I've got to move on it. I've got to make a decision. I've got to, I've got to either fish or cut bait, as they say. Right? And so we had to exercise our faith. We had to mingle faith with what we heard, and then we had to make the decision to step forward. And then when we had that experience, then just like the the disciples that were added to the church on the day of Pentecost, what did they do? We talked about this Sunday. They immediately went out from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship. What were They weren't just talking about the weather or the Packers or stuff like that. They were talking about their experience and what just happened. And they were telling other people. So they received the doctrine. They made it a part of who they were. They heard it. They mixed faith with it. They received it. Then they took it and carried it to somebody else. Right? Now, if you don't believe this, I'm going to read a, we're going to read a parable out of the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 11 through 15. And I'm going to point something out to you that I've, I've read this for years. And I actually heard this, somebody else preaching this the other day, and it, I about fell out of my chair when I heard it. Because I've read this a, a hundred times. Probably. In the last 30 years. Luke 8, 11 through 15 says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And they on the rock are they which when they, what's that, hear, receive the word with joy and these have not root for which for which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares of riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. Now, why was I emphasizing that? Because they had to hear it. They didn't read it. Didn't say they read the word. Because they couldn't have. Why is that? Most, well, it was, it was being written. Right? And most of them were somewhat illiterate. They couldn't read. If you'd have handed it to them, they couldn't have read it. Where was the place that the scrolls were read? Only in the synagogues. Only in the temple. Where the educated people were. That's why when those disciples 
when Peter and Paul and all those guys, that's why they said about them, these, these dumb Galileans, they don't have, they're not educated. They were just stating a fact. These ignorant Galileans, how can they know this? Right? So they had to hear. So what were they hearing? The spoken word. Right? We, we, they had to hear the spoken word. You can call it the preached word, the spoken, the proclaimed word, or whatever you want, but they had to hear it. Right? You ever, you ever heard a song playing somewhere and then you can't get that song out of your head? I hate that. Especially if it's a song I don't want in my head. <laughs> playing in a restaurant or something. I hate that. And it's like you're trying to think of another song so you can replace that one. <laughs> oh, God, give me a good godly song. Get that out of my head. Because I got songs in my head from when I was a kid, when I, was, when I wasn't in church. And they're stuck there. And I could sing them to you word for word, every note. I don't like that. I'm just, thank God I'm starting to lose some of them, starting to forget who sang them. And that's a good thing. But we, you know what I'm saying? We got to hear it. And it's got to stick. That that's what was the problem with most of these people in this this story. Jesus was saying they were hearing it, but it wasn't doing anything for them. It didn't stick. So you can't speak about something. I'm getting back to speak. Speaking sound doctrine. You can't speak it until you hear it, receive it, make it a part of who you are. Then it becomes a part of who you are. You don't have a problem speaking it because you're living it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't study it. You know, just like when I, when I heard this, somebody preaching this, I had to go immediately to the Scripture and go, wow, it does say here. In my mind, when I'm reading this or I hear somebody reading it and preaching it, I'm thinking, they read the Word. They read the Word just like I'm doing it. And I'm, it's just like, it just, our minds sometimes, we're, we're listening, but we're not hearing. <laughs> you know, we just kind of skim over it. They had to hear in, their, in the context of their, their time, they had to hear it. Otherwise, they didn't know. What did those people say in, in Acts 19? We haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We didn't read it in the paper either, because they couldn't have. We hadn't heard. The word hadn't gotten around that there be any Holy Ghost. Hadn't got to their, their neck of the woods yet. Right? So, Titus... Chapter 2, verse 1 says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, who's Titus speaking to? Well, he was in a town called Crete. And Crete was kind of a mixture, I think. Jews and Gentiles. And Paul had sent Titus to Crete. Right? Just like he sent Timothy out. He sent Titus was one of his his protégés, his his underlings, some one of the young men that he was raising up into the ministry. And so Titus went there, and, and so Paul had admonished him. He said, he said, speak the things which become sound doctrine. Why was he saying that? In order to understand why Paul was telling Titus that, we kind of got to go backwards. We got to get some context for why why Titus was saying that. So we're going to read the... Uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 1 of Titus and just all the way through. 
sister book, sister booth person. Titus one and one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God don't go back on his word, does he? But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching or proclaiming, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. I thought Jesus was our Savior. Anyway, it says there God's our Savior. It's the same thing, I think. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. He just said God was our Savior. Now he's saying the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. Hallelujah. I love the oneness doctrine. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Why was he ordaining the elders in every city? Because the elders were taking those little small home house congregations and they were they were the elders over that group. That you want to call them a home group, cell group, whatever. They were the elders over that group. For this cause, left I okay. And any, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife having this is the credentials for being one of the elders. And elders could be men or women. We'll find that out. If any be blameless, husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, nor no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober. And that's not talking about not drinking. That's a different sober. Clear-minded. Just, holy, temperate. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. How were they being taught? Word of mouth, right? They were hearing it. That he may be able to be by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So there were gainsayers. So Paul, or Titus, leave it there. Titus in Crete was dealing with stuff we're going to read about in a minute. That was going on. People weren't just falling all over themselves to, to run to the church and find truth. Everybody had their own thoughts and ideas, and they were trying to implement that. And Titus was there trying to quash that, and they're trying to keep this thing pure and right. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, the Jews, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. Do we have people like that today? Teaching doctrines so that they can build a crowd and get a nice tithe check? One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Don't rebuke them so that you can send them on their merry way and say, get out of here. 
We want to restore such in one in a spirit of meekness, the Bible says, right? Not giving heed to Jewish fables, not just any kind of fables, but Jewish fables and commandments of men. Jesus used to get on those Jews all the time about their the, the traditions of the elders, right? Traditions of men and commandments of men that turn from the truth. That's what those man-made doctrines did, turn people from truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Wow. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Right? You know, the church had been around a while. Been a few, a couple years. And the Jews were still trying to tell the Gentiles that they were second class citizens if they didn't get circumcised, right? And they were trying to implement, they were still trying to keep some of that old Judaism around. You know, some of those traditions of the elders and traditions of man and stuff that they had actually borrowed from paganism over the years. Because when they were, you know, when they went into bondage in Babylon, they, 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 they hung, they, they stuck with Jesus, they stuck with God, but they started picking up a lot of stuff while they were in that bondage for 70 years. So when they came back, it wasn't that same pure, I don't even think they even spoke, 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 spoke true Hebrew anymore. What I've read. And so, Paul was admonishing Titus to stick to the plan. The doctrine that the way that had been passed down by Paul, and where did Paul receive it? He heard it. Right? You know, Paul, and, and well, and the thing is that Titus wasn't going to be there very long. Because it goes on in, in the book of Titus, it says that he went on to, he was sent to Dalmatia. So he wasn't there very long. So he had to get these elders ordained and he had to get these people, get them as sound as he could. And then he had to release them to handle things and move on to something else. Right? That's what our missionaries today are, are supposed to be doing, right? They go into a country and they win people and they, they find, they, through, through the power of the Holy Ghost and through God leading them, they find those men, those people, those women that are godly that want to live this and they raise them up as leaders and then they release them to, to handle that work and then they go release this one to handle that work and they just keep starting new little works everywhere and handing it over to the national people. And that's what Titus was doing. Because they, they were trying to turn the world upside down. They didn't have time to stay in one place very long. You know, Titus was a, a trainer, I guess you could say. Go train some elders. Hand it off to them. And move. now you're going to Dalmatia. You're going to start all over again. Right? And you have to think about, now here's Paul writing this. And this is the guy who was, who was raised up under Gamaliel. He knew... The Mosaic Law, upside down, inside out, forwards and backwards. He knew the, the traditions of the elders. He knew all this stuff. He knew the doctrines of the Jews, didn't he? 
He did. And so if there was anybody out there that knew about being vehemently for something and and standing for what you believe in and standing for your doctrine, it was Paul, wasn't it? And Paul went so far, he was so zealous that when these Jesus people came along, what did he do? He was, in his mind, he was defending the doctrine. The pure doctrine of the Jews. And he wasn't about to let these, whoever these people were, he, he probably thought of them as reprobates. And he went out, he, he got letters from the elders and he was out trying to get as many of them as he can and round them up and kill them. Men, women, and children didn't matter to him. Right? And in Paul's defense, he, he spoke the only doctrine he knew. Right? Saul, Paul. Right? It was the only doctrine he knew. You ever met anybody like that? That didn't know what we know? They're adamant, they're vehement, but they're, they're sticking to their guns because they know, they know something. And you don't want to, you don't want to beat them down over that. Right? You gotta be careful. They didn't condemn Paul for being a Jew. They didn't, you know, when Ananias came, when Jesus, you know, had that moment with him on that road, he didn't condemn him. He didn't condemn his religion. He just said, hey, do you really realize what you're doing? And Paul, who was a devout Jew, who knew about the I am God being a spirit, heard a voice and saw no man and said, who art thou? Lord, who art thou, Jehovah? <laughs> what would you say? I don't know what I'd say if I started hearing voices. I'd be like, Samuel, yes, Lord. I'd be running over to my wife. Did you say something? No, it wasn't me, honey. Go back to bed. Right? <laughs> That's what he told Samuel. And that finally, finally the, he's like, oh, okay. Next time you hear that, just say, yes, Lord, I'm here. What do you want? And that's all Paul was doing. And so here he was preaching vehemently the only doctrine he knew. And what did Jesus do? He said, he answered their prayers. Instead of getting rid of him, he said, I'm going to use him for my glory. And he gave him. More stuff than he, he, it made the stuff he learned from Gamaliel and all that before seem like nothing. When God started giving him revelation about who he was and all the, we don't even know. It doesn't even really say in the Bible what revelations that God was giving him, but it does say that he was sent the messenger of Satan to buffet him because of the, the amount of revelation that God was going to give him, right? So. So God bless Paul. But he was speaking a doctrine. Right? And so we gotta be like Paul. We gotta be like those disciples, like Titus. We gotta say, you know, we don't want to argue with people, but we gotta we determine in our mind, I I've got this testimony. Something happened to me. When I like when I my te- when I came out of that water. I can't explain it, but something changed. Something was different. And it's been like that ever since that day, October of 1989. 
can't explain it, but there's something happened when I came out of that water in Jesus' name that never happened before when I got baptized in other methods and other titles and all those things. Something happened to me when I got the Holy Ghost. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, isn't it? But something changed. And I decided, just like those people on the day of Pentecost, who knows what some of those people walked away from? kind of lifestyles they walked away from. It doesn't even say what the backgrounds of some of those people were. We know that they were from all those nations that were there on the day of Pentecost because it was a Jewish holiday, so they were probably Jews. But what were some of their backgrounds? Not all Jews were godly people. Some of them were, you know, unscrupulous or whatever. So who knows what they were delivered from that day? That 3,000 said, I'm going to tell my neighbor and my neighbor's neighbor and my neighbor's neighbor's neighbor. And the, the religious people made the statement, these people are turning this world upside down with their doctrine. Wouldn't you, would, would the, would the God that they would say that about us right here in the cross? What is it with those people down there on that corner? They're turning this city upside down with their doctrine. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Titus 2, verse 2 through 10 says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So it wasn't just the men that were the teachers. It was the women. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands. To love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Because the young men are going to reach people too, aren't they? They're going to reach their own generation, aren't they? Right? In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You got, you got this. It doesn't mean that you're a Bible scholar. It doesn't mean that you, you're able to answer every single solitary little silly question that they try to ask you. But it does mean that you know what you believe. Who was it? Was it Paul that said, I know in whom I have believed and, 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 and he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day? Right? I am persuaded. I'm convinced. He's proven it to me over and over again. That, that he's able to keep me. He's the one that called me. He's the one that knocked me down. He's the one that blinded my eyes. He's the one that took the blindness away. He's the one that taught me. He's the one that, he, he says it throughout the New Testament. A servant of Jesus Christ. A laborer. A, a slave. What that word servant means. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters and and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that 
they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. I'm here to tell you the only way that people in this city are going to hear about this doctrine is by the people that are sitting right here in this room. There's two people that aren't here. They they can't do it by themselves. Right? I don't have connections where you work. You do. Or where you go to school. You do. You have influence with the people that you, you know, right? I have influence with the people that I go to work with eight hours a day every day, right? You start developing relationships with people, and because of that, you develop a level of influence with them. Right? Am I, am I saying something that's true? I don't have that influence with people you have influence with. You do though. Sometimes you got a captive audience. Right? If you're driving a vehicle or something. <laughs> right? Or, you know, why not bring it up? We were in the furniture store the other day and the guy that was waiting on us was talking about drinking or something and I said, well, I looked at him and I said, I don't drink that stuff anymore. All I ever drink now is new wine. He looked at me. New wine? I said, yeah. What's that? I said, have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost? Well, no. I said, well, it's in the book of Acts in the Bible. Well, I haven't. Do you know the last? He said, you know the last time I've read the Bible through? I said, no, but maybe you should. (laughs) So, you know, it's just one of those moments, you know, and it just kind of took him aback. He's like, new wine, what's that? And I had a moment of just a a solitary little moment of of an opportunity to have some influence there. We had other things that happened with that guy that exercised influence, and he liked Ian's hat. He's from the south, and he wanted to know where he got that hat. I can't get a hat like that around here. And so we, we exercise some influence with that guy. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Kyle? Maybe he went home Sunday, Monday night and got his Bible out and dusted it off and said, well, I'm going to find this thing about new wine. You know, maybe it just, it was enough to just kind of shock him. Right? You got to take those opportunities. You never know. Maybe the Lord sent me there to just plant that. In his mind. Maybe I'll never get a chance to talk to him again. But I took the opportunity. And I'm telling you right now, the enemy tried to tell me not to say anything. I just let her rip. That's right. And he received it. Right? You know, restaurants have doctrines. Right? Your employer has doctrines. Don't they? Plumbers and electricians have doctrines. Right? Electricians have National Electric Code book that's about that thick. Richard, isn't that right? It's the Bible of electricians. The plumbers have one too. And it's, it's the code book and they don't do anything unless it's by code. You don't put a plug on a wall and you don't put a, you know, a pipe, you don't fit a pipe a certain way, you don't sweat a pipe a certain way unless it's by code. There's certain standards in Rules and things they have in restaurants. Car manufacturers have doctrines. And if, cause if they don't, you know, driving down the road, the wheels fall, start falling off your car because they don't have, they don't maintain their doctrines with their employees and say, we have standards, quality standards, they call. We're not sending junk out the other end of the, the plant. 
And when they do do that, well, that, what happens? They have what's called a recall. And some guy wasn't sticking to the standards. And now that whole car manufacturer's got a bad name because they had to recall 13,000 of their cars, right? Because of one or two people. So that's why Titus was being told by Paul, maintain the doctrine. Teach it to them. You're going to have people that aren't going to listen. Just focus on the ones that will. That's kind of what I read into that. Okay? So, So places have procedures. I mean, imagine if a surgical room in a hospital didn't have procedures and doctrines that they followed and you were the next patient would you want to go in there there's more sickness in a hospital than there is anywhere else my own doctor said that (laughs) because stuff in a hospital stuff that's a place where it just kind of it's like a big petri dish right (laughs) all the hand washing and everything i'd want my doctors to be sticking to the the book wouldn't you Washing their hands ten times, whatever it is they got to do to make sure they're ready when I get in on that gurney and go in there to be worked on, right? I don't, I don't want no sloppy whatever, you know, right? God just ate a greasy burger and now he's gonna come in and grab a knife and stick, you know. I'm not. I want that. You know, the military has doctrines, right? Thank God they do. These are the people that are defending our freedom. They need to have those doctrines, and they, they stick by those. Why do you think they take you in there for 12 or 13 weeks, and they recondition your thinking so that you're ready to do whatever it is you're asked to do without question? And you know that there's this is the procedure. This is how it's done. This is how this works. You do this, you do this, you do this, and the gun goes off, and then, bam, there you go. Right? They have doctrines. They have training. And you can almost tell a military person just walking down the street if they're not even in uniform, just how they walk. Because they walk different from all that marching. Right? Nine to the front and six to the rear and all that kind of stuff. Right? Right? Jude, uh, verse 3 and 4 says, Beloved... When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend. Wow. What's a contender? They use that terminology for boxers and fighters, right? This heavyweight contender against this heavyweight contender, right? Tonight at Madison Square Garden, whatever, right? So we need to contend. We need to fight. Earnestly contend. Not just contend, but earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who are bef- who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. Are there people out there that are teaching some corrupt stuff that sounds good on the surface, right? That's exactly where I was going, too. What was Paul telling Titus? Don't let it get watered down by the traditions of men. Don't let men's ideas and concepts get in and corrupt this thing. 
Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word never changes. Does God ever change? He's not going to change his doctrine based on our culture, is he? We might change the methods that we use in our current culture, but we're not going to change the message, are we? It's the same message, isn't it, that saves people that saved me 30 years ago? It's the same message today. It hasn't changed. A lot of things have changed 30 years ago. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't even have cell phones 30 years ago. One in a a thousand people might have had a cell phone 30 years ago. There were those great big monstrosities that had to plug into your car. My dad had one. Great big old thing. It was like the phone in your house. You know, the the whole thing. Then those bag phones, yeah. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Who's he charging? Who's Paul? Paul is charging Timothy, right? He's giving him this charge, right? What's a charge? It's a challenge. It's, I'm, I'm charging you with this responsibility. Timothy, preach the word. Proclaim it. Tell it to whoever will listen. Be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Be long-suffering with people. Don't be so quick to condemn what they do have. Right? I thank God for the foundation of Catholicism that I had in my life when I come to find this. At least I had a foundation. At least I had some belief that there was a God. Right? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Everybody's not going to want this. That doesn't mean we don't try to reach everybody. That doesn't mean we don't pray for everybody. But everybody's not going to want this. But at least if they hear it and say, that's bunk, get away from me. Okay, you told them, they heard, right? Your Their blood's not going to be required at your hand because you were the one that said, hey, Jesus is coming back. He loves you. He wants you. And when they say, get away from me, they heard, right? Pray for them. Maybe God will turn them around. Maybe you planted a seed. They might say that up front. But they might walk away thinking about that, and they might, that might be the only thing they think about for days and weeks. Especially when you're praying for them. God, let them, don't let them think about anything else but what I said. Right? It's okay to pray that. To the saving of a soul it is. Don't let them sleep, God, till they respond to what I told them. Right? But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears. It's a voluntary thing. From the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I, You know, I thank God that I got turned to this because I could have been turned to all kinds of stuff. All kinds of fables. All kinds of doctrines of devils, the Bible says. There is only one truth. There's not my truth. There's not your truth. There's only one truth. Amen?
Praise God. I think I'm going to end it right there. I think that's probably enough. I see some full faces. (laughs) 